Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. So just checking to see if you can hear me and see me. We're going to be talking about blues today. So greetings from Morocco. Very nice. Okay. Good morning from Vancouver. That's Jerry. How you doing, Jerry? And Sylvain is here. Very nice. Cool. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and get started. So not sure if you joined me this morning. I was doing Monday motivation thing, but now we're going to be talking about blues and I'm going to be going live obviously right now. And then I'm going to go live again on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific as well. Now, I was initially going to go live on Friday as well, but Friday I have something else I have to do, so I will not be here Friday. So just today and then again on Wednesday. So what we're going to be doing today is I'm going to try and help you to better understand how to approach creating licks. I thought about just doing like the top four licks or something like that, and then I thought, well, I among a thousand other guitar players have 50 different videos each of how to do top three videos or top three guitar licks. So I thought what would be kind of fun to do today is explain to you a little bit about how to create guitar licks and better understand how that's done. And I'm going to show you some things, obviously, today, and you can take all of it and do whatever you want with it, okay? So let me just see who's here real quick. Say hello. Ted is here. Carwin here. Naju is here. Dana is here. Robert, Brian. Very nice. Jerry, Andrew. John is here. Carl is here. Hey, bud. Andres is there. Doug. Okay, cool. So we got lots of people here. This is great. So let's go ahead and get started. So I've got some notes here that I thought about just talking about really quick for you to think about when you go to play the guitar. And hopefully what this will do, this conversation today as well, is remind you of all the things that you might need to put into your practice schedule. Now, all of this is moving toward the guitar course that I have. I have a blues licks course that you can check out to do blues, rock solos, all kinds of stuff like that. And there's going to be a link over in the chat that you can check out to do that. Now, I do all kinds of different styles of blues licks. So there's mellow blues licks and heavier blues licks and different kinds of things like that. So there's a lot of different things for you to check out. So all you got to do is just keep checking the chat. And if you find that, check it out, see if it's something that you're interested in. And we'll go from there, okay? So the first thing I want to talk to you about today is the scale itself. And then we're going to talk about movement. We're going to talk about some additions to add on. But what I want you to understand is wherever you are in your guitar journey, you might be doing pentatonic, you might be doing diatonic, you might be doing minor blues or major blues or whatever it might be. And actually on Wednesday, I'm going to take all of these ideas and I'm going to compile them together for you and sort of get you to understand how the real blues scale works. But we're not going to go into that today, but just understand that if you join me on Wednesday, that's what we're going to be doing. And it's very, very, very important. So let's say that you're studying, again, it could be minor blues. I'm going to be an A today. So we're going to be an A minor blues. 
or you might be in A major blues, or pentatonic, I should say. Now, this is the first thing I want to do is if you know how to play either minor pentatonic or major pentatonic, the first thing we want to understand, and I will reiterate this a little bit on Wednesday, but the first thing we want to understand is how to convert either the minor pentatonic or the major pentatonic into the blues scale by adding in one note. That's the note right there, which in theory we would call the flatted five. But if you think of it as playing three notes of your pentatonic, one, two, three, and then it's the immediate next note. And that note right there is going to make that scale sound much more like blues. Now that note that you're adding in is not a pleasant note to emphasize over the root. You're going to get a really crazy sound by doing that. But what it does is it creates a large amount of tension. And so what's nice about that note is that you could either go to the note prior or the note ahead of it. And get that kind of bluesy sound. So understand that there are notes that we want to try and emphasize or spend time on. And then there are notes that we use kind of in passing. Well, this is one of those notes that we're passing over. But when we use it, it sounds great. Now, if I was playing it in the next octave, it's right there, okay? So if you think about it as I'm playing this, if I play my three notes from my root, or A in this case, well, this is an A right here. So that's that note again. So that's the first thing I want you to understand. Now, if I was playing major pentatonic, the interesting thing about playing major pentatonic is you just take your minor pentatonic and you move down three frets. So one, two, three, and now your pinky is on the A. Now, it's going to look exactly the same as the minor pentatonic. And I can play the F sharp, it's just that the A is obviously my root, so that's what I would be trying to target. Now what's interesting about the blues note over on the major side is it looks, visually looks exactly the same as the minor. Okay, but its function is a little different. Now all of a sudden it becomes the minor third if you know your theory. And if you don't, don't worry about it. Just understand that you're playing exactly the same shape that you did here, but you're playing it three frets lower. One, two, three, play the same thing. But the notes are going to change order, so you have to understand that now your pinky is where the A is. The second fret, where your first finger is on the third string there, that's going to be the A. Where on the minor, they were on the fifth fret here with your first finger, now you're playing it with your pinky. So the, the position changes a little bit, and the order of the notes changes, but visually it's exactly the same. And the reason I'm telling you that is once we start trying to learn how to maneuver across the fretboard and think about creating licks, which is really a, a repetitive idea is what we're really trying to do. We want to think about that blues note because we are going to wind up using that among other things that we're going to do here too. So now we've developed this minor pentatonic here with the blues note, or the blue note you can call it. Or the major pentatonic. Now you might be doing something like a mode or something like that, maybe playing mixolydian or whatever it might be. And again, we'll get more into that coming up on Wednesday. But let's just stick with what we have now. 
So we've built a scale, whatever scale it is that we're trying to utilize, we're using that scale. And we've added this blue note in. So the next thing I want to do is I want to talk to you about maneuvering around the fretboard or direction. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about simply moving up and down. So actually, before we go into that, I decided I was going to talk about vocal elements first to set this up so I don't work backwards. So the next thing I want you to do with the scale that you've chose, whatever it is that you're using, is I want you to start getting used to what I call vocal elements or vocal tools, which is hammer-ons, pull-offs, slides, bending, and vibrato. Those five things. Hammer-ons, pull-offs, slides, bending, and vibrato. Hammer-ons and pull-offs are always really nice because they enable you when you're maneuvering through your scale. <laughs> To get one of two things, either it enables you to go faster, maybe you're not going to pick everything. So if I play something slower, if I do a pull off, I could do that twice as fast and it's going to have this nice smooth sound. I won't have to pick them necessarily. So that's one use is to be able to play things faster. Like a lot of times I'll get students that'll say, hey, I can only play when I'm picking, I can only go this fast. And of course, more practice is going to get you better at that. But one thing that you can do is if that is your speed, you could easily go twice as fast by utilizing some hammer-ons or some pull-offs. Again, that takes a little while to get used to, but that's the beauty of hammer-ons and pull-offs is that they can make you go faster, okay? If picking is a problem, you can easily move into moving twice as fast, like quarter notes to eighth notes or eighth notes to sixteenth notes, whatever it might be. And the second thing is, is they've got a nice smooth sound to them. Sometimes when we pick, and unless we're really looking for that percussive effect, they make things sound a little smoother. You see? So that's something that's really nice about using those two. But the three that I really love to focus on are sliding, bending, and vibrato. And again, I'm not going to go into a big dissertation about these because you probably already know about them, but I just want you to understand how important they are. Sliding is a technique that not only can you use as just a simple effect. Let's say I was playing in my A minor pentatonic. And instead of just playing those notes, I could use my slide to get a different kind of sound. One thing that I love to do is play a note, then I'll reiterate that note by sliding to it. Now, all the licks, obviously there's a ton of licks in the Blues Licks course that are going to focus on these kinds of things. So I might play a note and then hammer back to that note. Or I might slide. Okay? So that's one effect that you can use with the slide. Obviously, the other thing with the slide is that it can get you from point A to point B. So if you were playing and you want to go... to move around the fretboard, sliding enables you to do that. You don't always have to slide. I mean, you could physically stop playing and move where you want, but sliding enables you to smoothly move around where you want to go. So I would strongly encourage you to get used to sliding and thinking about what fingers you're sliding with. When I play something, for instance, I call them escape routes, and I actually have a guitar course that talks about this, but if I do something like this in A minor pentatonic... 
and I slide up to that seventh fret right there, I have to be aware, and this is logical, but I have to be aware now that my hand is sitting on this side. So I have to decide what it is I'm going to do over here. Or I'm going to slide back and then go back into something else. But learning to think about what I call escape routes or escape routes is really important because when you get into a certain position with your fingers, you might run against a brick wall. Like you've come all the way up to this right here, this, and you don't have any more room, right? And you're on your pinky. So what are you going to do? Well, you're either going to head back this direction, right? Or you're going to slide somewhere, which I could certainly do that. But if I'm sitting on my pinky, maybe I want to slide up to something else. Now I'm on my first finger, what do I want to do? Again, this is where I start making those decisions of if I'm sliding or doing a hammer-on or a pull-off or I'm simply shifting into a different position. So sliding. Then, of course, we've got the two big ones, which are bending and vibrato. And I can't stress enough how important those two things are to the quality of your playing's sound, okay? When you hear somebody play, you can tell they're either practicing or you can tell they're playing, right? There's a difference in the way it sounds. And for me, these five elements that we're talking about, and most importantly, these last two, bending and vibrato, are the ones that really define the comfortability and the confidence of your playing. So when people listen to you play, and you go for a bend, or a vibrato, whatever it might be, your control of the bends and the vibrato and that sort of thing are really important. So don't think of it as I'm aware of them or I've practiced them or I understand what they are. It's not a head thing. It's a finger thing. You've got to be able to think, okay, I've got to practice the application of this, the execution of this. I've got to try and find a way of being able to make my bends sound good or my vibrato to sound good. A vibrato can be very subtle or very slow. It can be a lot more aggressive. There's lots of different kinds of vibrato that you can do for different things. But really having that control is important. And a lot of that comes from the placement of your wrist and stuff like that. And again, I have all kinds of courses and videos that talk about this sort of thing. But I want you to be aware of how important these things are to your development of licks, whether you're learning licks from somebody else like me or whether you're trying to develop your own licks. Okay? Just going through here, making sure we've got a lot of people here. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Just going through, make sure everything's cool, and it looks like we are. All right, perfect. So. All right, does that make sense? Now, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to start talking about that movement then. So we've developed these vocal elements. We understand the parameters of whatever scale we're dealing with. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to start talking about movement. Okay, so this is my third one. So obviously there's the simple idea of being able to move up and down. If I was playing and I do a... And this is oftentimes what we do when we first learn how to play a scale. We practice going up and back down. And 
that's all fine, okay? That's just fine. We want to learn how to be able to move back and forth. I teach a technique called meandering that's very important to learn how to do this kind of thing. You just practice over and over and over, moving up, back and forth, brainlessly, so you're not developing necessarily patterns. You're just trying to get used to your environment, moving up and down, okay? But let's add in some ideas here, and then we're going to keep going with this, just keep building this for you. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to start talking about horizontal movement, moving across the fretboard this way. And this is where the sliding comes in. This is why I wanted to talk about that first before we move into this. So what I love to do is when I'm playing, I might do a lick that's based off a down and up motion. But at some point, I want to start moving this way across the fretboard, whether it's on a single string or it might be a couple of strings. get a different kind of sound and that is going to require you to think about sliding. Now if I add that blues note in there I was talking about earlier, see that? Okay, so we start adding in the idea of sliding using the horizontal motion. And the nice thing about playing horizontally, practicing this way across the fretboard, is that when you start getting into music, and it's not just blues, but music that requires you to play melodically, this is a really, really important thing that I learned a long time ago from some Joe Satriani lesson. But learning to think about playing like a piano... Whatever it might be, right? that kind of thing to get that melodic sound that we don't necessarily get just simply by playing down and up. Now again, nothing is better than something else. It's just learning to think about it differently when you go to play. Okay, so you might do something that's more down and up. But then you are. using all of these techniques to kind of move around the fretboard. So we've got down and up, we've got moving across the guitar this way, and the next thing is what I call slicing. And this is where you get sounds like, people call them scrapes, there's different names for this sort of thing, but let's say I wanted to slice through the string. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna do, or rake is another name, right? So I'm, I'm playing really a chord or an arpeggio, really, but I'm not concerned about all the notes that I'm playing, I just want the effect that percussive effect moving into a note. See that? So I'm scraping into the, or raking into the first string at the fifth fret there. See? Or maybe I would do a reverse scrape or rake going into the root here on the seventh fret. And I use those a lot when I do bends. So I use this, that sound going into. See? 
there's lots of really great sounds that you can get. Now, raking or scraping isn't really a technique that I consider essential, but it really does sound nice. And if you think about the way you're traveling across the guitar, it works really well because you can use that to cut through to get those kinds of sounds. So we have down and up through the scale, right? We have across the guitar. And now we've got raking through or cutting through. Notice how I'm combining all these things together because it's just a natural motion for me to use these kinds of things, which is why I'm talking to you. And then the next thing we're going to talk about is doubling up, which is what we call double stops, playing two strings at the same time. Now there's lots of different things that you can do like this. Let me show you a couple of things to think about. A very traditional thing would be like the Chuck Berry thing, right? I'm in A minor, pentatonic. And I go to these two notes right here. And I start adding in a bend over here. Okay, that's a really easy way of doing a double stop. I could do double stops on the eighth fret. What I like to do is I'll use the eighth and the seventh frets right here on these two strings. And I'll use those right there like that. Like that kind of sound, anything like that. And then I might drop into a down and up movement. Okay, or a side to side motion. any kind of thing like that. So hopefully you're taking notes on this and if you're not, you can always watch it later and use these. Because again, what I want to do is give you tools that you can actually utilize. There isn't any one magic guitar lick that you can learn that solves all the problems. It's learning to maneuver your way around. And then the last thing I want to do is back and forth. Now what we're doing here is we're creating, let's say we're moving down and up. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on, for instance, the two sevens over on this side. See, I'm going back and forth like that. If we think down and up, oftentimes we think about playing all the notes. But if I think about back and forth, or any kind of movement like that, I used to practice just doing things like this where I'd play the eights, and then the fives, and then eight, seven, just pentatonic. Like that kind of movement. So as I'm playing, I might be doing a down up movement. And I drop into that back and forth right there. Okay, hopefully that's making sense of different ways to move across the fretboard that's very important. Now, as you start doing this, there are a couple things we're really not going to touch on today because we just don't have enough time for it, but phrasing is very, very important. Learning to think about phrasing. It's like talking, like speaking in front of a group of people. You don't want all your sentences to be exactly the same length, and you don't want the dynamics to be exactly the same. You have to figure out different ways to make it sound interesting. And when you're playing guitar, you always want to remember that you have elements of phrasing and dynamics. Now, what could you do to practice phrasing? One thing is, is try and remind yourself not to play the same length sentences every time. Okay. 
See, you're changing up the size of those sentences as you play. Now, what's the end of a sentence? Well, an end of a sentence is either one of two things. It's a comma or it's a period. If it's a comma, it means you're still holding the prior note. A period means you stop playing. Okay, so you might slide off into oblivion. Or you might just stop. You see? So that's phrasing to me. And then if I start adding in dynamics on top of that phrasing... louder and softer, I can pick harder, change my volume. All these different things can cause interest in terms of dynamics. So these are all different things that you want to think about when you're trying to create guitar licks. Now let's get to the last one, which is really the most important one to tie this all together to guitar licks, is repetition. So repetition. Now repetition could be a series of notes or it could be an idea. Okay, let me show you a series of notes. So let's say I was going to do something creating a lick, so I want to do something that's going... So that's my lick, as I'm going... Just something really straightforward. Okay, that's my lick. So it's got repetition to it. I do it over and over and over. There's a ton of things I could do. Obviously, guitar players use repetition all the time. So I'm doing two things as I'm playing, as I'm soloing. One is I'm crafting motion around my fretboard. And two, when I find somewhere that I like, I create repetition, which is a lick. So as you continue your journey of learning about soloing, now if you're an absolute beginner, you really shouldn't be focusing on soloing anyway. You should focus on chords and rhythm and strumming and learning a scale and all that kind of stuff. But as you get better, you really think about, I do anyway, that soloing is two parts. It's a maneuver across the fretboard in whatever capacity is needed for the style of music or the song or whatever. And the second thing is, is I have to create energy. One way I can create energy is by creating repetition. And that's where a lick comes in. So if you were to buy, for instance, the Blues Licks course, you're not just going to learn all those licks and just play a bunch of licks. What you want to do is find the best licks that suit you the best and then utilize those within your motion within your maneuvering across the fretboard. So if you're in the key of A, for instance, you start finding places to go that are licks that you like, that are, they feel good, you can execute them comfortably, whatever they might be. And you're still going to use that motion to get around the fretboard. Now, phrasing, dynamics, melody, these are all incredibly important things that aren't necessarily based off licks, okay? But it depends on the style of music. I mean, if I'm playing something, let's say I'm not playing blues, I'm playing something that's very melodic in nature, a chord progression that really is screaming out for a melody, then I'm not really worried about licks, right? I mean, if I'm playing... Right, whatever it might be, whatever the song or whatever the situation, you get the idea. 
it's not really about repetition and fast licks and whatever. It's about creating a melody that's connecting to the chords. So you have to be aware that different styles of music or even just different songs within that genre might want something different, might be looking for something different. And you have to think about that a little bit as you're playing. So I'm not saying that melody and things aren't important. Oh my God, they're huge important. But for today's conversation, what we're learning are techniques that enable us to move across the fretboard and give us ideas, whether it's a blues note, whether it's a slide or a vibrato or a rake or whatever it might be. And then we start encompassing the idea of phrasing and dynamics around those things, and then ultimately repetition, creating something. And it doesn't have to be repeated 50 times. It might just be something that gets done. If I was doing... Or maybe I just want... I mean, it could be all kinds of different things, okay? But please understand that because all of these things are going to be able to help you in the long run in being able to create your own licks or if you learn something from somebody else, like if you learn from one of my videos or whatever it might be, you can take that idea and instead of just playing it as it is, you can recraft it for a different situation, a different key, a different groove, or just you'd rather play it a different way. You'd rather switch this note out and make it something else. It's just fine. And then the last advice I'm going to give you is, is once you've developed that and you've decided, I like this, this is something that I can use, you have to practice it over and over and over to develop the technique. But even more important, or at least equally as important is, you have to then take that idea and start using it in the real world. You've heard me, if you've listened to any of the stuff I've done in these other workshops or anything, I always talk about like practice buckets, if you will. And one of them is the creative or performance bucket where you're really taking everything and you're, you're making it a real-time experience. It's not just practicing scales and licks and technique and all these things or practicing your theory. These are very important elements. But when you get together with other human beings and you start actually playing, there's only so much these are going to help you at that point. It's your creative bucket, your performance bucket, that really has to shine. So if you learn this lick over in your rudimentary bucket or whatever, you learn a really cool lick, that's awesome. But you've still got to figure out how you're going to execute it with maneuvering and all this kind of stuff in the real world, you see? So that's where practicing with different backing tracks or different tempos or different keys or whatever it might be can really help you to establish comfortability and isolating, or I shouldn't say isolating, but establishing that lick as a pinnacle element of your playing that will always be there when you need it. So hopefully that helps you a little bit. If you get a chance, please do me a favor, check out the Blues Licks course and see if it can help you. And then on Wednesday, we're going to be talking about scales. We're going to move into talking about scales and really get you to understand how to combine both major and minor pentatonic to really create effective blues, okay? So everybody, take care. Stay positive. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, Today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about scales. We're going to talk about the blue scale and how it works and how to think about it a little bit in your head. And hopefully this will set you up to, again, being able to create and execute better blue solos, blues licks, all that stuff. Hey, Edward. Rasta is here. Adam is here. Very cool. Adam from Oklahoma. Christopher. Hey, everybody. So nice of you to join me. Okay. So what we're going to do right now is I made some charts this morning that will help us a little bit in understanding this if you're brand new to this. But before I get started, the first thing I want to say to everybody, other than thank you for being here, it's very, very, very awesome that you take time out to join me. I'm always very humbled by that. The most important thing to understand about playing guitar, soloing, all these things is that we're always dealing with the same notes. 
right? We all have the same notes. The difference is in the way that you perceive those notes and the way that you organize those notes. So we learn, for instance, we learn what's called theory, right? And theory, again, is a very important thing to learn at some stage in your playing if it's deemed necessary. I studied music theory. I went to college and studied music theory and that sort of thing. But I always want to say that there's still the theory of the instrument itself. Because when we talk about things like scales and stuff like that, just because you learn how to play a scale doesn't mean it's going to sound the way you want it to. It has to do with the way you perceive that scale or those groups of notes and how you're going to execute those to make it sound a certain way. So that's what I want to talk about today is learning to understand what really constitutes a decent blues scale to make your solo sound more interesting, more bluesy, right? So, hey, Barbara. Hey, Christoph. Hey, thank you, everybody, so much for being here. This is so awesome. And again, if you get a chance, check out my Blues Licks course. It looks like it's 42% off because I'm reading the chat right there. And there's a link over there. You can check it out. I sure would appreciate that. So let's go ahead and get started here. Now, we're going to start by just understanding the difference between major pentatonic and minor pentatonic. And if this is a little bit above where you are, first of all, I apologize. And second of all, we have to start somewhere, okay? But understand that when it comes to blues. When I first started learning about blues, the first thing that I was told was, okay, it's a one, four, five. We already learned about the 12 bar blues. We did that a few sessions ago. And I was told, at least this is the way I remember it, is that over the one, I want to play minor pentatonic, but over the four, I should play major pentatonic. And then over the five, I should go back to minor pentatonic again. That's the way I remember being told. So I thought there was like this hard and fast rule that you had to play minor pentatonic over the one, Then you go to the major pentatonic over the four, and then back to the minor pentatonic over the five, or the one again, obviously. So let's just start off by understanding what we're talking about here, and then let me show you examples of what I'm talking about. And I'm going to throw a lot of stuff at you today, and hopefully some of that stuff will make sense to you, and you're going to be able to use it in your playing. If you enjoyed today's podcast and want to learn guitar even faster, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button to get access to courses that are right for your interest and skill level. Again, go to guitarzoom.com and click the Get Started button.